Well, great morning, everybody. Good morning. How are we? Y'all all right? Y'all good? Yeah. Boy, y'all help me sing. God, you're so good. I'm gonna tell them. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Come on, do you believe it? Tell them again. God, you're so good. Yes, he is. God, you're so God, you're so good, you're so good to One last time. And God, you're so good. And God, you're so good. And God, you're so Father, we thank you that this is the day that you've made, and Lord, we celebrate you. We rejoice in this day, and Lord, we thank you that you are a good Father. And we declare, Lord, that we are nothing and you are everything. So we invite your presence in this place to do only what you can do, that you would give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, singing to the mute, dancing to the lame, that you would even raise the dead. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you explode in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, it's wonderful to be with my Eastside family. Amen. Uh, you all look well. I, I love coming back and hanging out and seeing you. You do my heart good. So thank you for letting me come and hang out with you. All right, so hey, so we're going to get right into the Word, because i got to leave out of here about 11.15 or so. i got to go preach. So, um, so just know that I love you, and I'm not skipping out on you. I don't have a side chick. I'm just... Y'all okay? We're laughing in the church today. All right. So uh, uh, this morning... Uh, the title of the message is, People of Promise, Look Up. People of Promise, Look Up. How many know that every person in this place is a person of promise, that God has promise for you? Uh, Hebrews says that there yet remains the promise of God of rest for the people of God. That, so there, God has a promise unique for you. Amen. He has ideas and thoughts and, 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 and just for you, but in order to be a person of promise, you also have to be a person of faith. Uh, in, the, uh, uh, in that same chapter of Hebrews, it says there were some that did not receive the promise because it was not united with faith. So there may be some things that you're believing God for where you've got to unite what you want or unite that promise with some faith. All right, does that make sense to you? And so my goal today is to inch us just a little bit closer to being fully persuaded 
and the power of God in his character, in his integrity. How many know that God has integrity? God has integrity. He does what he says. In fact, God is faithful to himself. You're thinking about him being faithful to you, but no, God is faithful to himself. He said, even when we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. He's just going to be himself. So God has a high level or the highest level of integrity. In fact, the way that I think about it is that he is the only person or personality that has never lied. Which means that he is trustworthy. Amen. And so people of promise, you need to learn how to look up. And I think that uh, we can look at creation itself, and creation itself will let us know about the character and the power of God. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter number 1, verses 19 and 20. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. If you want to know something about God, he says, it's plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That if you want to know about God, God says, listen, creation itself will let you know about me. That's why uh, the psalmist says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God because you can look up at the heavens and you can look at the, uh, uh, the, the intentionality in creation and say, there's a God. If you came by my house and I got all them kids, so shoes are all over the place, and you came in my house and you saw a bunch of shoes and they were stacked up neatly, paired left and right, paired left and right, and you walked in my house, you would say, somebody put them shoes like that. <laughs> right? You wouldn't say that's an accident. You would say somebody with some intelligent design did that. Isn't that right? So how many know that creation is in order? The sun comes up, the sun goes down. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. Right. It's just far enough to keep us from burning and just close enough, close enough to keep us from freezing. That there is some intelligent design there. So you can look at creation, and creation will tell you about God. Creation is a reflection of God's power and his nature. And so if you know anything about me, and, and I'll talk about my abiding convictions. I have two main ones, and, and the first one is God is really, really good. I'm going to say it again. God is really, really good. And we say all the time, we say God is good, and we say all the time, we say, and all the time, and we say God is good. But listen, God is good right now. He's good right now. And so my first abiding conviction is that God is good. It doesn't matter what's showing up on my world. And listen, I've suffered loss, I've suffered hardship, but what I suffer is not an indicator of God's character. It's just what I'm suffering. Amen. And then a second conviction I have that you can't, you can't persuade me anything else is that I am deeply loved. God is good, and I am, I am loved, y'all. God loves me. 
Proof of that is my wife. Amen. And my babies. God really, really loves me. But, so I want you to go to Genesis chapter number one. And so some of y'all who've hung out with me a little bit, well, this might be a little um, a repeat section, a repeat session for you, but it's okay. Um, you need to hear it again. All right, so Genesis chapter one, verse number four. We're talking about creation. Verse number four says, after God said light and he separated the light from the darkness, it says, and God saw that the light was, everybody say, good. Jump down to verse 10. This is, and God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Y'all doing pretty good. Verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Are you catching a theme here? Verse 18, after the creation of the sun and the moon, uh, he says, verse 18, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw again that it was good. So verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. More good, y'all. More good, y'all. More good. Verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the, on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was Good. Now, by, by the time you get to verse uh, 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So creation is a reflection of God's goodness. Matthew chapter 12 says it like this. He says, a good man from the good treasures of his heart produces good, and an evil man from the evil treasures of his heart produces evil. So because God is good, God does good. Amen. And so creation is a reflection of his goodness. Amen. He created thinking about you, how he would be good to you. Creation is a reflection of God's goodness. Now, I've been on this journey looking at the scripture because Genesis is one of my favorite books. Genesis and, and, and the book of John are two of my, my, my favorite books. And, and I've been going in and I've been wrestling with this and I started looking at Genesis chapter one and started thinking about some things. And, and in verse, uh, in day one, God made the light and he said, saw that it was good. And day two, God made something and he didn't say it was good. And day three, God made something. He said it was good. Day four, God said it was good twice, I think. Day five, God said it was good. Day six, God said it was good twice. And day six, in fact, God said it was very good, right? So I'm looking, day one, good. Day two, not. Day three, good. Day four, good. Day five, good. Day six, good. And day seven, God blessed. Right? It's the only day that God blessed. It's why when we talk about gather, it's the moment when you come and you gather, there's a blessing for you. Amen. I'll just keep moving. <laughs> but anyway, I was looking at this and I'm like, okay, but what about day two? Right? Come, what's up with day two? Every other day, God said it was good. 
When he saw something, he was like, ooh, that's good. That looks like me. Because God didn't stop creating until he sees himself in creation. He's like, whoa, that looks like me. That's good. But what about day two? What is wrong with day two? That's what I'm thinking. And so we'll read it. Let's read it together. It says, Genesis 1, verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And verse 8, And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. But there was no, there was, that was good. I was like, wait, there's a problem, Lord. I've got a problem with this, God. Why isn't day too good? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know? Well, the, the, the writer of Proverbs says that it's the glory of God to conceal this thing, but it's the glory of kings to search them out. So I'm like, Lord, I've got I to gotta, I gotta search this thing out. i got to figure what is going on with day two. What's wrong with day two? I was bothered. I was asking friends. I was like, what do you think about day two? How come, what's up with that? And nobody could tell me anything. I'm like, come on, you're supposed to be the theologian. <laughs> anyway, but I couldn't figure it out. But then I discovered the answer is nothing's wrong with day two. The problem was my fallen nature, my fallen perspective, because I was looking for something wrong. How many of sometimes in our fallen nature, we look for what's wrong or what's missing? Right? That's just what we do. In fact, I can come and say, man, I, you know, the psychologists say that you can tell somebody 11 times, it's 11 to 1 uh, ratio of g- positive negative. You can say 11 things positive and one thing negative, and people will be like, he said that my toenail was ugly. That our nature focuses on the negative thing that somebody says versus all the positive. And so here it is, my following perspective, like something's wrong with day two. But it's not that something's wrong with day two. The question is, what is right with day two? What's right with day two? Well, I have to believe if verse 31 says that God looked at everything that he made and he said it was very good, uh, the New Living Translation says it like this, that it was excellent in every way, that that must include day two. So day two must be good too. So what was God trying to say? Well, I came across a verse just to my devotional time, and I was like, duh. Y'all ever had that duh moment? Like, man, really? And it was Psalms 19, verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That the heavens are a reflection of God's glory. In other words, in day one, three, four, five, and six, God wanted you to get a a, a revelation of his goodness. But in day two, God wanted you to get a revelation of his glory. Right? See, it's his glory. The glory means it's his weightiness or his splendor or his copiousness. That's a lovely fancy word. Uh, Copiousness means abundant in supply or quantity. 
It's riches. It's, it's uh, the heavens or kabod is the idea of wealth or honor or divine presence or even the manifestation of his power. Uh, it, it, you know, it's summertime. Many folks are going to go up north and up north. The, the, the sky is clear and you're going to look up and see the grandeur, the splendor and the wealth of God in creation. You'll start seeing all these stars, these celestial beings, and like, wow, God, you are awesome. In fact, scientists say it like this, that when God said, uh, well, this is how I say it in terms of what scientists say. Scientists say that the galaxies are still expanding. They're still uh, experiencing galaxies and new galaxies. Like, wow, here comes another galaxy. Why? Because when God said, let there be, there was and there kept on being. So when you look up, you're looking at the let there be of God. When he stepped out into nothing and said, let there be, that is his riches, that is his wealth, that is his capacity, that is his ability. That is the manifestation of his power. So the heavens are declaring God's power. It's declaring God's wealth. It's declaring God's riches. Well, how do I know this? How do I know this practically? Well, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. This is the story of Father Abraham who had seven sons. Seven sons had Father... No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but you've heard the song. And this is the story of, of Abraham. And in chapter 12, Abraham gets a promise from the Lord. And he says, listen, I'm going to make you a great, great nation. I'm going to bless you and bless you. I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to, uh, to all the earth. I'm, I'm about to, man, I'm about to hook you up. And Abraham at the time is 75. Like some of us are thinking that we're washed up and we're too washed up for promise. But God gave Abraham a promise at 75. Amen. Amen. And Abraham had just got through coming from a battle. And... Uh, and God begins to speak to this. And so I think I'm going to read it in context. I'm sorry. I didn't have this page open. First, chapter 15, verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what would you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now check this out. Now, God had been traveling with Abraham for some time. And Abraham was expansing. He was getting wealthy. He was, I mean, things were happening. He's, I mean, he's moving and, and, and shaking. And he, he, I mean, he's taking over stuff. I mean, like, I mean, things are going good. And then there's a moment that he tithes and he comes from a battle and God says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, don't worry about resources. I got you. Don't worry about resources. I got you. I got you. That's what the Lord is saying to him. And then Abraham, Abraham says, well, God, what good is all this when there's one thing that you promised and we are still childless? Sarah is still barren. I, I appreciate all that, but listen, uh, the heir of my house is, is my servant, Eleazar. 
what good is all this? And I don't have no one to pass it on to. And then God says, verse five, and he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. He brought him outside, brought him outside of what? Well, his tent. How many know that we all have tents? And the tent is the place of our limitations. It's the place we're reminded of how old I am and how old she is. It's the place that we're reminded of our inabilities. It's a place that we're reminded of our frustrations. It's a place that we're reminded of barrenness. And sometimes we live in the hidden tent too long. And God says, Abraham, come from outside the tent. Come outside your limitations. Come outside where you're thinking it's about your ability, because you know that's what happens with us. When we receive a promise from God, we're thinking, what do we have to do? How much is this is based on me? Uh, how smart do I have to be? What kind of network do I have to have? We're thinking about us, and, and God's like, listen, come outside of that mess, because the promise that I have for you has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. Abraham, come outside and look toward the heavens. Why? Because the heavens are declaring the glory of God. They're declaring God's capability, his capacity, the manifestation of his power. Abraham, stop looking at your limitations and look at what I've done. Abraham, Abram, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Look up, Abraham. So shall your offspring be. And I think, I think this, I think that some of us, we need to strengthen our neck muscle. When I was in, when I played football back in the day, we had muscle exercises for our necks and we would do things like this and we put it on people's legs and try to push it and, and we do this and we do that. And we did all these things to strengthen our neck muscles. And I, and I think that some of us need to strengthen our neck muscle. Why? Because some of us have our necks down like this. And all we can see is our limitation. All we can see is the tent. But God's like, well, you just lift up your head and, and look toward the heavens. Because the heavens have something to say. The heavens are declaring. They're telling you about God's power. What he's able to do. And it says, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. The heavens are speaking. Look up and listen. They'll tell you how powerful God is. Mm -hmm. How does it even make more sense? I want you to turn to Romans chapter number four. Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. And I'm going to read this in context. You are people of promise, but you got to be people of faith to grab hold of what God's promised you. Amen. Romans chapter 4. I think I'm going to start at verse 16. 
That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Stop right there. He gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Well, this right here is just simple biology. All right? So you look at Abraham. At the, Abraham is old. He's just not old. He's old. <laughs> and so it looked like there was life. It was like, you know, they're not doing nothing anymore. They're just like, Sleeping in separate, separate sleeping bags. Because they're in a tent. <laughs> but <laughs> simple biology is this. Is that a man, uh, he reproduces seed. So he can be 100 and still produce seed. But a woman is different. She only has a certain amount of eggs in her body when she is born. Somewhere between 500 and 600 in a lifetime. That's all she got. She ain't getting no more. <laughs> what? Did I say something wrong? And so here's the miracle. That Sarah is past her time. You know, the, the, she's past the time. She's had the hot fleshes, the lightning bolts. <laughs> that means her eggs ain't there no more. And so while his, his body and their desire is dead, God brings it back to life. She had no egg, so God called into existence the thing that did not exist. In other words, God had to put an egg there. Well, when did he do that? Well, the writer of Hebrews says it like this, that, that, uh, that by faith Sarah received strength to conceive when she judged him faithful who promised. In other words, the moment that she says, well, God, you're faithful. Then at that moment, an egg showed up. Oh, my goodness. You're people of promise, but you got to be people of faith. And, and your faith is not tied to you. It's tied to the integrity of God. God had already said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. And it's going to come through Sarah, not Hagar. Oh, my goodness. So he says to him, it says Romans 8, where are we at? Verse 19 or 18, where are we at? Ah, verse 18 is in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which is as good as dead since he was about a hundred I'm sorry he was about a hundred all right a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now check this out. He has been with Sarah all this time. They were half brother and sister. And he's watched over the years all of her barriers. And if he kept looking at the limitation, it would kept him from promise. Yes. 
Verse 20, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God because uh, 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 no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith. Somebody say strong in faith. He grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. All right, are you seeing that? As he gave, in other words, Abraham looked up and he saw the heavens and remember the heavens declare the glory of God. Are you with me? So Abraham saw glory. He looked up and as, because he saw glory, it gave him an opportunity to give glory. So when you see glory, it's your opportunity to give glory. Well, I think it's uh, Isaiah 6 and 9. Isaiah 6 and 9 says this. It's not on the PowerPoint. Uh, 6 and 9 says this, that uh, after the, the seraphim uh, and the cherubim were uh, 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 singing, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of the glory. The earth is full of his glory. But the problem is that sometimes we don't see the glory here. But the earth is full of it. So God says, hey, look up and look at what is possible. Look at my capacity. Then something happens. Uh, some prophet comes along. And in back of chapter 214, he says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now remember, Isaiah says that the earth is full of the glory. But Habakkuk comes and he prophesies that in the last days that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. In other words, now we're going to have an intimate knowing of the glory of God. God wants you to have an intimate knowing of his glory, of the manifestation of his power, of his riches, of his wealth. And you know how we find the intimate knowing of that glory? It's in the person of Jesus. It's in the person of Jesus. He says this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Are you seeing that there? That Jesus himself is, is a revelation of God's nature and he's a revelation of his power. That in the face of Jesus, you see God's nature and you see God's power. His nature, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. He healed the sick. Come on, the good news. Jesus revealing the nature of a good God. But not only did he reveal his nature, he revealed his power, his power, that he would step and start walking on water, and then he would start speaking to storms and winds, and he would dig and make mud pies and put them on people's faces, and, and they would start seeing. He had authority and would start forgiving the prostitute and the broken, the tax collector. Jesus would multiply five loaves and two fish. It's his power. Jesus would take a young girl who they said was sleeping and say, arise to me. His power. He would speak to a man in a tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. His power. And when the enemy thought that he had him and, and he was in a grave, on the third day, Jesus himself, he got up. He got up. He got up. 
Why? Because Jesus is a reflection. He's the exact imprint of God's nature and his power. He's good, y'all. But not only is he good, he's powerful. You ever met somebody that was good, but they couldn't help you? Right? Like you needed a dollar, but they didn't have a dollar. They would give it to you, but they ain't got it. And then you might run into somebody who's got a dollar, but they ain't good. So they ain't going to give it to you. So you still out of luck. Well, no, God is good and he's power. That's who he is. So the prayer team was praying for you. And one of the things that they prayed is that, listen, there are some of us that are just, I think, are in perpetual woundedness. Listen, God's good. He's powerful. Others are, are tormented by fear and anxiety. God wants to pull you and snatch you from that mess. He's good and he's powerful. Others are saying, Lord, I need, I need purpose. I need, I need a sense of direction. And listen, God wants you to know what's up. He wants you to experience direction. He's good and he's powerful. And lastly, they said there's some of us that feel like we're just kind of stuck in spirit. Feel like we can't move on. Well, guess what? God is good and He's powerful. And so the prayer team's gonna come and we're gonna pray that we would experience the good and the power of God. loving them, you love them with an everlasting love. Father, I pray that you lift up the weary heart and Lord, that you would give us courage to see glory and give glory that we might grow strong in faith in Jesus' name. God bless you.
Amen. Have a super Sunday. I love y'all. Hello, my friend.